Amen. I was kind of like to stay there for a little while longer, not going to lie. Welcome, Bayou City Fellowship. It's good to be here this morning with you, and um, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. And I don't know where you are this morning, and my hope is by the end of today, whether you're in your home and you're by yourself or with, with friends, or you're on vacation, or you're you're just waking up and maybe you're catching this at the tail end of the day. My hope is that at the end of today's service that you will remember again the hope that we have in Jesus and the very clear direction and purpose that he has set in the hearts of those who follow him. So that there is no mistake what you were put on this earth for. And we're going to pick up again in the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus. We're going to pick up the Sermon on the Mount and AK started a few weeks ago. Uh, and then a couple weeks of hiatus, and we're going to pick it up today right after the Beatitudes. And we want to remember that this sermon, at the end of the beginning part, after these Beatitudes, blessed is he, blessed are they that. At the end, it talks about persecution that will come and suffering that will come, and that if it is at the hands of a righteous life, we can know that there is reward in heaven. And so the idea is that Everything that follows is meant for us to know that we need to live for later, that our reward and the things that he is teaching us to do isn't about right now, though it has effect right now, but that we are living for a later reward. And so we're going to pick up in the scriptures at chapter uh, 5 and verse 13. Uh, I, I ran into uh, a new acquaintance last week, and it was at the gym, and he and I began a conversation. We'd only had a conversation, say, hey, hello, and, and the sort of uh, cordial introductions. But I sat for about an hour after uh, I was done, and we got to talking. And he said, hey, I'd like to hear your story. So I told him my story. I used to be an atheist and so forth and so on. And I've come to know the Lord, and it's changed my life. And he says, that's interesting. We have the opposite story. And he went to tell me he grew up in a missionary family, and he walked away from that, and, and I asked him why, and it's a similar story. It's a common song that you hear that people who grow up in Christian homes sometimes see the disconnect between what is spoken and what is acted on, and it creates some confusion. And it's too common, I think. I think it's something that kept me away from the church for so long. And he got to talking about how he sees people give lip service to Jesus, but uh, that, that their life doesn't actually match up, and so it shuts off any future conversation. He did confess that there are those that he has seen that gives him hope that there might be something still there. Have you ever met somebody and, and somebody says, oh, well, that Jimmy, he's the salt of the earth. You know, he's the salt of the earth. And I'm, you ever wonder what that means, you know? I think sometimes, you know, you hear of salt of the earth, but sometimes people are just salty, you know, like being salt to the earth is something, it speaks to somebody's inner character. It speaks to someone's grounding, someone's um, steadfastness. You know, being salty is something that we see all too often. Being salt to the earth and being salty are two different things. And one shuts down conversations about Jesus and one encourages and opens doors for conversations about the amazing truth that there is hope and life and grace and forgiveness for every person on the planet available right now in Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes we forget that the, the inner character that we get from knowing Jesus, from continuing a, an intimate, 
uh, everyday life-giving relationship with him, right, opens those things up for us. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Jesus um, continues his sermon with this idea of salt and light. And I think we read these few three verses and we kind of skip over them, but I think there's some really good stuff in there for us. If today maybe you have lost your, um, your flavor in your faith, maybe you become religious, maybe you become cold, I hope today will spur you on to, again, develop that relationship that God might open doors for you. Here's what it says in chapter five, verse 13. Well, back up to 11. It says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not useful for anything. It is no longer good except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the salt of the earth. Salt was actually a big deal uh, in the ancient world. It's still a big deal. Uh, I like two shows on television. Those two shows are cooking shows and survival shows or subsistence living shows. It's just what I watch. I don't know why. I enjoy it. And they have this common thing, which is salt. In the cooking shows, salt, you never put enough salt on your food, it seems like. All the cooking shows say, you know, the, the competition shows, you, you put salt in. Oh, we could have used more salt. Because salt brings out the flavor of the food. Right, A saltless steak only tastes like raw meat, and that's not what the flavor... Salt, you always salt your steak because it draws out the flavors in the food. It also is used in subsistence living to preserve meat or fish or whatever it is that you're trying to eat, right? It preserves food. Also, it's used in an antiseptic. This is one of the most fascinating things. Salt was used in medicine in the ancient world to, to heal raw and open wounds, Right? to keep them from getting infected. And so when it says you are the salt of the earth, right? not salty on the earth, but the salt of the earth, it means that there's this inner character that is there that causes people to, to thirst for more information. Right, So it's somebody sees your life and says, so, oh, they're the salt of the earth. That means that this person has such character and integrity that it begs the question, why are you like that? Right? In a world that is evil, we know that the world is at war with God. We know that the world praises pride and not humility. We know that the world praises self-promotion and not God-promotion. But in the world where Jesus' followers exist, it should look different. It should look different. People should look at your life and my life and say, gosh, what? They're not salty, but they, there's something about them that says, hey, there's this difference. I want to know more. How many times have you heard that story? Somebody asked, I want to know more. It's not because you are the coolest. It's not because you're the richest. It's not because you're the most popular, but because you have this inner confidence and, and not cockiness and confidence that you know your hope, you know your purpose. And in a hopeless and purposeless world, that should show and so what Jesus is saying, he says, listen, because I'm in you, because the spirit of God is in you, you are the salt of the earth. Your life should be that that causes people to want to know more. There's this um, thing that happens near the Dead Sea. There's, uh, there's salt deposits that get taken up. The water comes, the sun evaporates, and what's left is a salt-like substance 
But what happens is there's so many impurities, once it's all broken down, it looks like salt, but it doesn't actually have any taste. Right, so it's counterfeit salt. The truth is, the funny question is, how can salt regain its saltiness? Well, it can't because real salt never loses its flavor. But counterfeit salt looks like salt, but it doesn't have any taste, which means it's useless. See, God made you and I for a purpose. And we'll get to that in the second part. But if we, if we are self-serving and if we are not self-denying, if we are self-promoting and not God-promoting, we look like salt, but our lives don't actually create a desire for something greater. It's counterfeit. It's worthless. And worthless salt is nothing better than putting it on the road so people can walk on it. As Christians, we can't be counterfeit salt. We have to be the real stuff, a faith life that is flavorful, drawing out, preserving, and helping to heal the raw and open wounds that there are created by the evil in our world. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, not only are you the salt of the earth, but you are the light of the world. The light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay, we're in Houston, so here's the thing. A hill is an elevated piece of land that is higher than the rest. Now, I know if you grew up in, let me see, I don't know if I can, how to explain this. I'm not sure we have any reference points. A hill, okay, you'll just have to trust me on this. A hill is an elevated piece of land that goes up. It kind of goes up like this, in case you grew up here and you're not sure. I grew up near the mountains. Um, In all honesty, though, this is the thing. As a city is built up, right, it's visible from further away. Okay? It's visible from further away. If you are the light of the world, the city on a hill cannot be hidden, meaning if it's built here, you're going to see. You can't miss it. It should be clear. Right? Like we can't see Brenham from here because the, everything around here is flat. But if it was built up, you could see it from a long distance. And he goes on to say this. He says, also, just like that, neither do people put a light on a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So back in the day, they didn't have electricity, obviously, right? You can't turn on your, your lights and oh, the whole thing opens up. You lit a candle. And if you stuck the candle on a nightstand, you know, by itself, it would only light a small area right in its, its general vicinity. But you put it up on a stand then it lights the whole house, right? The light of the world was meant to be seen by everyone. It's not meant to be held on to, to stick a bowl. How, it's a silly thing. I think Jesus was having fun with some people because it's a dumb question, right? Why would you light a candle meant to give light to everyone to see and then shove a bowl on top so that it can't be seen? Yet, How many of us, we come to know Christ, we come to salvation in Jesus, we come to understand that our sin has caused death, he has brought life, we've accepted his sacrifice, and then we keep it to ourselves. How selfish is that? He says, no, if you are a peacemaker, poor in spirit, you're blessed, you're gonna receive all these later rewards, why wouldn't you share that with people? Why wouldn't you develop such a life of integrity and character that when people ask, you can take that light and go, no, there he is. There's how you get it. If somebody asks you what is different about you and you stand there and just are uncomfortable and you don't want to tell anybody, that's not, he's saying, no, it's meant to be shared. It's meant to be shown and it's meant to be shared. 
And we show it by being the salt, by having that inner character so that it opens up to be shared with other people. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He goes on to say this, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now listen, there's a line between showing good deeds so that they praise you versus showing your good deeds so they praise your Father in heaven. I think a lot of times we get this confused and that's what causes people to be really, really confused about what's in us. If you're gonna go to Haiti and you're gonna go care for the poor and you're gonna go rescue the oppressed, do that. Do it with zeal and with passion. But don't go to take pictures to post on your profile so people know how how righteous you are. Go do it so that the people in your vicinity on that island see your good deeds and they say, why do you care about us? And you can tell them because Jesus cared for me and he cares for you too. And then let it be. See, because when we cross over that line, it becomes much more about praising ourselves rather than praising our Father in heaven. We're not meant to shine light on us. We're meant to shine light on Jesus, the light of the world shown in us so that we can shine the light of the world or shine our light on the light of the world. Salt of the earth, light of the world. And it's meant to be shared and it's meant to be shown. I was thinking about uh, if there were any cool stories in the Bible that would ex- explain this outside of Jesus. Because sometimes, you know, you hear Jesus and you're like, well, he's the son of God. Of course, that's what he does. Of course, that's what Jesus does. But here's what happens. So Jesus had these guys who were following him around and he had Peter, James, and John that were inside this group. And Peter, bless his little soul. Peter got himself in so much trouble and he had a hard time developing that character, but as he tried and failed and tried and failed, he developed a deep desire to serve God and to honor and follow Jesus. And after Jesus was ascended into heaven, Peter really came to life. He became the salt of the earth and the light of the world and it, sh- it, it talks about it in Acts chapter three and four. I'm just gonna paraphrase a couple of things and I'm gonna get to the, get to the good stuff. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. They come down declaring the glory of God in other languages to everybody who is there and people are freaking out. They say that they're drunk and Peter addresses the crowd and says, we're not drunk. We're not drunk. Let me tell you who we're talking about and he tells them about Jesus. And then in in 2.42, it talks about how the fellowship of believers, they devoted themselves to one another, the teaching of God's word, the breaking of bread and prayer. They shared their lives with each other. And then chapter three, it gets crazy. Peter heals a crippled beggar. It says, one day Peter and John were growing, uh, going up to the temple for a time of prayer. And Peter looked at this man who called out and he said, look at us. And he says, I don't have silver or gold to give you. I don't have worldly material possessions to make your life more better here. I did just say more better, which is totally improper, by the way. But he says, what I do have, what's inside me, what has been deposited in my soul, I will give to you. And this is what he says. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he picked him up and the man's legs became solid and he walked. He was 
It was shown in his soul what is in me I'm going to give to you. And it was shared as he offered new life to this man. So then people are astonished. I think that it actually, they were freaking out, is what that is and should be translated in our day and age. They were astonished, but they were freaking out because this crippled beggar is walking. And so Peter, he gets up and he says, are you guys surprised by this? Why do you stare at us like that it's our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? See, Peter, was, he understood something at this moment. He understood that what had been put in him, deposited in him, gave him the ability to preserve those around him, and he took and was the light of the world by shining it on Jesus. It wasn't our own power or godliness, he says, but it was the power of God that made you walk today. And in chapter 4, Peter and John end up before the Sanhedrin. The religious leaders who had some questions for him. And in, in chapter four, verse eight, it says this. They ask him a question, by what power and what name did you do this? See, they were being the salt to the earth. They were being the light of the world. And because of that, people took note and they said, by what power and in what name do you do this? Peter, then filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. It is by the power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Johnny, what, why don't you cuss like you used to? It is by the power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hey, Johnny, why don't you steal anymore? It is because the power of God has changed my life. In the name of Jesus, I have been raised from the dead. That's why I don't do that anymore. Hey, Johnny, you know, why don't you, why don't you this? You know, hey, Ryan, why don't you, when people take notice, by what name and power are you different? Do you see how it works? The salt to the earth, you are meant to be a preservative, to have a flavorful faith that causes people to be thirsty for more. And when they ask you, in what name and by what power is your life different? It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the power of God that I stand changed before you. Peter goes on, salvation is found in no one else. See, sometimes... Sometimes in an effort to be relatable and relevant, we have a tendency to be flavorless salt. We have a tendency to want to appease the, the, the whatever of the day. And Peter says this, I'm not going to tell you the religious answer. I'm going to tell you the real answer. And maybe you're listening today and you don't know Jesus and you've seen a lot of counterfeit salt Maybe you've seen a lot of people who look like Jesus followers. They say they go to church, but they don't look any different than the rest of the world. I want you to hear this. If you are looking for hope and forgiveness and purpose and the love that you so desperately want, hear this. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And here it is. 
when they saw the courage of Peter and John. When they saw the courage of Peter, the same one who who denied Jesus at a campfire because a girl asked him, hey, aren't you with him? The same Peter who denied Jesus at the hardest point in his earthly life, they saw courage in him and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. That's really, really encouraging for people like me. Ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note, listen, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When I die, when there's a small service where people remember my life, where people remember the lives of those who served at Bayou City Fellowship, when people remember us after we die, do you know what I want people to say? I hope and pray that they would take note that I have lived with Jesus. I hope that my life is not summed up in a couple of, he did better than some, he did worse than some, he was a pretty good guy. I hope that Jesus' name is so evident that I can fade into the background and people can celebrate the power of God because of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who has done a supernatural work in the lives of us. See, being salt and light is not easy, is it? Peter was killed for his faith, right? The persecution was heavy and constant, as it is all around the world. In mainland China in the 1960s, um, there was heavy persecution against the church, and there were some Christian men and women who were preaching, and people would stop, and they were declaring the praise of God to people in their language, and they would, they would tell them, and people would forget to eat, they'd forget to go home, and God was at work there. They were dragged off, and they were imprisoned, and they were beaten, and they were bruised. And I'm just going to read the, the tail end of this, because I don't want to mess it up. It says, when they were bound and beaten, many people noticed a strange expression on their faces and the crowd saw to their amazement that they were smiling. Their spirit and appearance were so lively and gracious that they were led to believe in Jesus by their example. People put their faith in Jesus not because they gave a wonderful oration of the gospel, but because in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty, They had an inner character and confidence that was infectious and caused people to give their life to what they had, which they knew was Jesus. It says, when the brothers and sisters in that area saw them bound and forced to kneel on the ground for more than three days without food or water, beaten with sticks until their faces were covered with blood, their hands were made black by the ropes, but still praying, singing, and praising the Lord, then they too wished to share their persecution. Does this define you and I? When we get a bump in the road, do we still praise God? Do we still sing to him? Do we still smile in the middle of it? Or at the first hint of opposition, at the first hint of suffering, at the first hint of persecution, do we go off the rails and show our true colors? Or do people want to know Jesus because of our inner character and conviction? The question is how? What do we do with this? 
What do we do with this? It's not easy, is it? It's not easy to be a Jesus follower. It's not easy to know the best way to do it. But here's what it says in James chapter 122. It's one of my favorite verses. It says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If we spend our days in this, seeking to obey God's word, seeking to do what it says, I wonder how different we'll be. I wonder if people will take note then when we offer forgiveness and kindness instead of harsh unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, and hate. I wonder what happens when somebody persecutes us and we return kindness. Will they take note that we've been with Jesus? I wonder what happens when we do our good deeds for people to see, but we don't post about it. I wonder what would happen if people saw our life and it was genuine and sincere, and they went to ask us, hey, by what power and name, and we got to tell them about Jesus, I wonder what our lives would be like then. Ephesians 2 says it like this, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship. We have deposits left in us. We are his handiwork. And we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, it is meant to be shown our inner character so that we can shine our light on Jesus. It needs to be shown and it needs to be shared. You know, the last couple of weeks has been pretty rough for some. And some can be left wondering, with COVID and then for Bayou City specifically, like, what does this mean for us? And I, I can speak with confidence and 100% certainty, and I can speak for Icky and Kevin and the elders and the leadership and the staff of our church, that this is the direction. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered, but this one doesn't need to be answered. Our purpose and our hope is in Jesus. You and I are called to be the salt to the earth that our inner character would overflow to a place that people would be thirsty for Jesus. And when they ask us that we can say, Jesus is our hope, Jesus is our direction, Jesus is our purpose, and that together as we submit to him and we submit to his word and we encourage each other to walk in obedience to this, that we will stay radically focused on Jesus and we will outserve everyone. So that every single person until the day that we die that we can possibly get into the kingdom will come because they saw Jesus in us. I don't have to ask that question. And you don't have to ask that question. From this day forward and every day, we're gonna seek to know God. We're gonna seek to be changed by him so that people see our lives and that we can shine that light and say, there he is, that's the one so that the whole world will know 
that salvation is found in no one else. No one else but Jesus Christ. I hope that you will be encouraged today that that inner character, as it opens up conversation, that you shine that light on Jesus Christ and that we'd see the world change because of it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace, O oh God. Forgive us when we are counterfeit salt, when we look more like the world. And Lord, people aren't left thirsty for more. They're left with a bitter taste. God, forgive me where I have been guilty. Lord, would you guard our church? Would you guard this church and the church? Would you help us, Lord, not just to show it with our life, but to share it with our lips? Heavenly Father, I do ask that if there are anybody who's listening that doesn't know you, that their hearts would be softened and humbled and they would call out to Jesus. They would call out. Use us, Lord, according to your will and your power. Use us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.